0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here with the LakersNation.com podcast. Thank you to those of you joining live over on AMP. I'm opening up the call-in line so people can call into the show. We can talk Some Lakers basketball. We kicked off today's show for those listening on amp with the little Beach Boys. Good vibrations. What with that song specifically? Well, part of it is because it's summertime. You tend to think of the Beach Boys when it's summertime, but also the Lakers. Been some pretty good vibes this summer, hasn't there, for LA? I think they have been absolutely phenomenal with the moves that they made this summer, did all the things that we were hoping they would do, didn't do anything crazy didn't swing for the fences and go after this third star that may or may not fit. We saw that happen a few years ago. We know that path. We know how treacherous it can be. You know, the Lakers, this summer, they did the things they needed to do. They added pieces to a team that was already pretty good, as we saw last season, a team that went to the Western Conference Finals. They made sure they kept the core intact, and they added some guys that I think can help out quite a lot. And I think some of that gets lost a little bit in all the frustration that's out there right now. Because right now, everybody is waiting for that center position to get filled. We all know the Lakers, at some point, they're going to fill their last roster spots. They've got two roster spots open right now. Looking at things, my guess is they probably only use the 14th spot. I think they stay below the tax line if they can. Um, they have to use at least the 14th spot. The 15th spot? They can leave that open if they choose, and history tells us they do tend to do that. That said, I've advocated for going ahead and using both of those spots. It's not my money, but I've advocated for using both of those spots and going with a grab bag approach because whoever you get at that center position, probably not the best, most dependable, established talent that's out there, even if it is a Christian Wood type player. And so what you what in my mind, what you want to do is you want to give yourself as many shots at it as you can get two players and hope that one of them hits because there's a decent chance that at least one of them won't be when we're talking about the end of the of the roster. Now, last point I want to get into before we get to um, our callers here that are already lining up here to, to join the show. And by the way, if you're joining over on AMP and you want to join the show, just request to call in. But last point I want to get to on there is the end of the bench in particular, right? We're looking at this position, 14 and 15, as the Lakers need to get it specifically. You got to get somebody good. You got to get somebody who's going to play major minutes. You got to get somebody who's going to be a big, big factor. And I think that's why so many people are in on, uh, you know, go get Christian Wood, right? That's the kind of talent that you need. And I think one of the things, at least when I was coaching, I never coached at the NBA level or anything like that, but one of the things that I always had to consider more, when I was looking for my last roster spot. I'm making that last cut or two on my teams. It's who is going to be agreeable to doing what the team needs? Who is it that can come in and is going to be okay with not playing every single game, with only appearing sporadically, with coming into certain situations that are matchup dependent? Which player is going to come in and they're going to be cheering and engaged and energized on the bench and fired up and they're going to be a good teammate because those things, those things matter more when we're talking about the last spots on the roster. You don't want somebody who's going to be in there that, well, frankly, is going to have a problem with not playing major minutes. I always think back to Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who both were more than fine with playing whatever role the Lakers asked them to play, doing the dirty work doing what they needed to do in order to help the team win, which players that are out there are going to be willing to do that? Because with the last roster spots, there's a decent chance that those minutes are simply not going to be there. So that's where, going back to a guy like Christian Wood, does that become a problem for, for Darvin Ham, potentially? I know the Lakers have talked about playing another big next to Anthony Davis, and some of that is probably to appease Anthony Davis. He doesn't want to play all of his minutes as the lone big out there on the floor. But even, that's, even with that being said, Rui Hachimura, who they just paid a lot of money to, is really a power forward. That's what he's going to do best. LeBron at this stage, probably best as a power forward. Jared Vanderbilt is a power forward, right? Now, all of those guys can kind of masquerade as small forwards as well. But the fact of the matter is that the power forward minutes are not wide open, even if AD slides over to the four for a little bit. How many minutes is he realistically going to play at just that position? So even if you bring somebody in, even if it's a Christian Wood and you say, hey, look, all you got to do is beat out Jackson Hayes and you get all the backup center minutes. Plus, we can probably get you some minutes at the four. Yeah, but how many of those minutes are really there? How many of those minutes are there playing alongside AD on a night-in-night-out basis when you just gave Rui Hachimura, what, $17 million a season? When you've got a guy like Jared Vanderbilt who needs to be in the rotation. When you've got LeBron who can play power forward, you've got other big wings, you can go smaller with Torian Prince at the four. They've got options now to play this team a lot of different ways. And so if I'm Darvin Ham, I can't necessarily promise, hey, Christian Wood, you're going to get all of these minutes here because there's other guys that are going to be deserving of minutes too. So that real conversation has to be, hey, if you win these minutes, then you're going to get them. But there may be some situations where we're better off with Rui out there, Well, we're better off with somebody else, with Torrey and Prince out there and going smaller, where that is our best chance to win, and you've got to be okay with that. And that can be a difficult conversation to have, and it takes a very specific kind of player to be okay with that situation and understand what their role is going to be and be able to buy into that. And I think that's a big piece of the Christian Wood, Bismack, Biombo, JaVale McGee, whatever other bigs are out there on the market, that maybe we don't pay enough attention to all right enough of me blabbering let's get to one of our callers here and i'll welcome in boom boom pow to be our first caller on the show if we can get them in in just a moment here mama mentality did vando really grow to six foot ten okay i hope that's true Hope that's true. Mama mentality in the chat. Boom, boom, pow. How are you doing? Hey, Trevor. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. How's uh, how's summer treating you?
2: Oh, it's good, man. Um, yeah, just uh, kind of enjoying all the Lakers moves here. How about for yourself.
1: Yeah, same. Been been enjoying it. Had a blast out at Summer League. Happy to be back here on AMP and doing some stuff now that we're back, you know, in studio and, and all of that. But um, But yeah, what's what's on your mind? as the uh, as the summer heat continues to to scorch out here
2: so i've become what i would call an irrational fan of jared vanderbilt during his time with the lakers and i kind of wanted to get your opinion on what you think his next contract is going to look like and if we can like maybe project a marginal tick up in offensive production this year like mm-hmm. i think he shot like 32% from 3 maybe that goes up to like 34% so with that in mind what do you think his next contract looks like All right, so I
1: like that irrational fan thing because I do that too. I pick the one guy that I'm irrationally excited about each year, and for some reason, it seems to be the kiss of death for me. So I'm going to try to avoid doing it this year because in the past, my irrational fandom has included Quinn Cook, Wesley Matthews, uh, Damian Jones. Yeah, the list goes on of guys who didn't quite work out with the Lakers, but uh, nonetheless, Jared Vanderbilt. Like I think that he's in store for. A, a really nice season, just turned 24 years old, uh, I believe a couple months ago. I don't know if he's really grown to 6'10 or not, if that's just a rumor that's floating, At 24, I don't think he's still growing. But I think you bring up a good point. What's the next contract going to look like? And here's the, the problem. So the great thing about Jared Vanderbilt, he's only making, what, $4.6 million next season, which is an incredible bargain. But it's also a bad thing. And it's a bad thing in that if he has a good season... He is extension eligible, just like Anthony Davis is. And Anthony Davis, I think, is going to reach an extension with the Lakers in August. Jared Vanderbilt, it probably doesn't make any sense. Even with the new CBA, they can do 140% extension based on the number that he's he's making right now. And that's just not enough money. Because as you said, let's say he goes up to, let's say he gets to 34, 33% from three, and he's willing to shoot a decent volume his value changes tremendously. He's already one of the best defensive players in the league. And if suddenly he is a respectable shooter, a guy that you have to care about behind the three point line, that changes so much of his overall value. So I look at what, what Rui got this year, uh, the 17 million, I would imagine the offensive limitations because offense tends to get paid a little bit more than defense. Um, That would come into effect, even if he can shoot the three a bit, but if that three ball comes along, I'm looking at probably a mid-level exception deal and up. So we're looking at somewhere around uh, on next year's cap. It'll probably be like 12, 13, maybe 14 million. And we'll see what he ultimately does uh, this season. But if he can improve his offense, yeah, I think he's due for a pretty hefty raise. And it's, it's interesting. We see these guys around the league. That are working on a particular skill set with Jared Vanderbilt, it really feels like he has millions of dollars riding upon whether or not he can just
2: shoot league average on corner threes. Because if he can do that, it changes so much for him. Okay, for sure. So, with that number in mind, do you think the Lakers have a real shot at re signing him, um, assuming no extension is reached? Obviously,
1: yeah, if he's a, an MLE number. Uh, if he's right around that level, yeah, I think that they that they will. Now, obviously, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Anthony Davis. Does he extend what happens with LeBron? Uh, does he wind up exercising his player option and staying? Does he decline it? Does he leave? Uh, and then that can determine whether or not the Lakers are a cap space team or whether they'd have to use an exception. But assuming Jared Vanderbilt continues to be a big part of the Lakers' uh, planning moving forward, um, they'll have bird rights on him. So even if it is a mid-level exception offer... Uh, that it that it takes to get them, I would have to imagine they hang on to them. I mean, they've made uh, it, it's clear there's a plan, right? They've made no bones about their intentions of keeping their young players together, and I believe he's he's definitely part of that mix, especially if he has a good season. Look, like we always say, what is it you want to put next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis? You want to put all the guys who can do everything else, do the dirty work, play the deep, play defense, get rebounds, crash to the floor be the hustle energy guy, and knock in threes. If he can just check that last box at a decent clip, I just, I can't imagine they're going to let him slip away because I think he was an impressive find last season, even if he wasn't quite as instrumental in the Denver series as he was in some other situations.
2: And that was going to be my next point too, is like, you almost hope that Vando ends off next season kind of like an Adilo situation where his value kind of gets brought down by like a you know, a series where he's not really what's what I'm looking for. Like his, his strengths aren't shown as much in that series. So then the Lakers can kind of almost get like a bargain deal for him um, on his next contract. But I hope all the best for Vando. And I hope he can, he can really take that next step. Like you're saying.
1: Yeah. I I think that from the Lakers perspective, of course, they'd rather he's great and they go on and, and they win a championship and they have to pay the guy because that would be fantastic. But um yeah, they, they definitely got a bargain with D'Lo because he struggled. So if it's a similar situation with Vando, maybe that's the silver lining. Let me ask you this though. Is he is he a starter? I think that's kind of the question heading into the, into next season. It's who starts, is it Rui or is it Vando?
2: So, I have him starting. I did listen to your show where you talked about this and said it's good that Darvinham has the flexibility to go with either him or Rui depending on like, you know, who the other team's best player is because you know, we all saw what Vando did against Luka in that Dallas game um, where they had that crazy comeback. Um, but but I have him starting. I think Darvin Ham's going to kind of go with what worked last season to get them to the playoffs and get them deep into the playoffs. Um, so and then like you're saying, if he can take that extra step with the three pointer, that'll just make more even more of a case for him to be in the starting five.
1: Yeah, it would, it would definitely close the gap on the offensive end because teams teams were ignoring him in the corner last year and that's just not something that that you can do, particularly if you've got Anthony Davis on the floor, you've got LeBron and you want to open up the paint as much as possible. You need him hitting that shot. If he can do that, I think that increases his playability and makes it more makes you more capable of bringing Rui off the bench and using him as that scoring punch, despite what the contracts say. I mean, the contracts say Rui should be the starter based on how much he's getting paid, but um, that's not always the way that it works in the NBA. So I'm hopeful for a big season uh, from Jared Vanderbilt. We know he's he's already hard at work with Phil Handy. So that's that right there in and of itself is a great sign because it tends to be that whoever's working out with Phil Handy, good things follow them.
2: For sure. And on the flip side, you know, Rui definitely showed some things defensively last season where like it's almost like both guys kind of showed us showed us things that maybe they weren't known for um, and that will be big assets for the Lakers going forward. So I don't really think there's a wrong answer of who starts this season between those two guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And, you know, one of the things I'm kind of hoping to get an opportunity to ask either one of these guys or both of them, did they learn from each other at all? Because we saw like like Rui's defense made improvements, made real strides when he came to the Lakers. It, it changed a lot. And I wonder if he picked up anything from Jared Vanderbilt, who's probably one of the better defenders at the position. And if Vando's offense comes along a bit, uh, particularly with just how he approaches guys closing out on him, which is a Rui specialty, I wonder if they're picking up things off of each other in addition to from the coaches. Because that, that would be an interesting dynamic to see to see both guys who are so strong in a particular area kind of raise the weakness of the other guy that's on the roster that's filling a similar position
2: yeah that would be awesome um you know maybe even like from austin reeves too we've seen his Mm -hmm. development um just just through his time with the lakers so uh very exciting uh time to be a laker fan with all these young guys here on the team so i guess that's all i got for today though
1: yeah. Yeah. Awesome time to be a Lakers fan and we can't wait for the season to get started, but thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Trevor. Have a good one. Thanks. You too.
1: All right. Again, if you want to call into the show, we are over here on amp. All you have to do, the call in line is open. All you have to do is hit the button and you can call in to the show as well um we'll be here on amp twice a week throughout the summer we'll be breaking down all the latest in the world of the los angeles lakers so if you're a lakers nation podcast listener if you're watching over the lakers nation youtube channel you just go download the amp app it's a great way to call into the show participate and become part of the show gonna try to stick with tuesdays and thursdays at noon pacific time Seem to be a good time for everybody a lot of people are kind of you know they're at work they can listen a little bit on the side while they're getting some stuff done or maybe you're somewhere else maybe you're out at the beach or something like that i saw i think it was mamba mentality in the in the chat which i'm having some issues seeing the chat right now but oh there we go said he's like at the dentist or something or something like that um which is always fun yeah i said there's a rumor that vando vando grew to six foot ten i didn't see that but if that if that is a thing I mean that. I mean he's six eight based on his actual listing here. Um, I don't know if he actually grew that much. Oh, there's a video. There's like a video on YouTube going around about um, about him growing. I'll I'll have to check it out and see if he actually grew or not. That would be uncommon at 24 years old to grow a few more inches. That would certainly not be not be the norm. All right, we'll bring in another caller here. Again, if you want to call in, just use the button and call into the show. We'll talk some Lakers basketball here. So coming in, we've got uh, VZ. Mama Mentality, hope you're feeling better. See, you're putting in the chat there that you are getting some work done at the dentist's office. So hope that goes well. Hope that goes well. Always a challenge sitting in that uh, that dentist chair. Hope we're making it a little easier on you. All right, so VZ will get here in here in just a moment. Vando is he is so intriguing in terms of his overall potential with this Lakers team if he can just get that corner 3 going a little bit changes a lot and his finishing I know we saw in some of the footage that he put out there um he was working with um Phil Handy on his finishing just a bit and that's something that I would like to see as well if his hands can get a little bit better around the rim if he can get his finishing going that would, I think, be a big, big thing for the Lakers as well because he did get a lot of drop-off passes and things like that from the dunker position when he did cut baseline. He was getting a lot of opportunities there when, when teams were focusing on LeBron, focusing on on AD. Next thing you know, there's Vando getting the ball in the dunker spot and uh, had to be able to go up and finish those. All right, VZ had some trouble getting in, so we've got Casbury. Casbury, welcome in. How are you doing?
3: Good. How about yourself, Trevor?
1: Doing well. Doing well. Uh, What's on your mind?
3: I just wanted to uh, see your viewpoint on uh, Colin Castleton because I I really like what I saw from him uh, in uh, Summer League in the games that I did watch.
1: Yeah, so actually I'm going to be doing an interview with Colin Castleton uh, in just a few hours. And so that'll be out uh, on Lakers Nation. That'll be out, uh, I'll probably put it out tomorrow morning. Um, So I'm going to ask him a lot of stuff uh, about his game and about his development and, and all of that. But from what I saw and from talking to him a little bit at, at Summer League, I'm really intrigued by what he can bring. He's, he's unique in a way with his passing ability, his ability to uh, take the ball up the floor on the break, to grab and go defensively. It's just not something that you typically see bigs do, and he's really, really good at it. So the question becomes, can he get good at some of the other things they need him to do, right? Typically, what are you looking for a big to do? Well, rebound, block shots. We know he can block shots, even though he didn't put up great block numbers in summer league. I think he was picking up so many fouls. He started to kind of pull back on that, but I'll ask him about it. um, when We do our interview later, but um, I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. The rebounding he get, he got pushed around a little bit, but there's so much there to his game with his passing, with his vision, with his screen setting, the Lakers' offense really started taking advantage of him almost immediately in in Summer League. It felt like overnight, he became the integral piece to their offense and kept things really humming with his ability to set high screens and then his passing out of the high and low post. So I liked what we saw out of him a lot. I don't know if he's so good that you just say, here's the 14th roster spot and we're going to start putting you into the rotation. We'll see what he looks like in preseason. But I think there's potential there with him, and he's certainly somebody to uh, to develop moving forward. What what were your thoughts? What did you think of him?
3: Yeah, I, I genuinely I like the uh, the passing ability, and uh, like you were saying, how uh, how he gets out on that high screen. Uh, it was nice to see that the offense was able to run through him, and it wasn't it wasn't stagnant at all. Um, I think yeah, he can be a piece for us uh, not this year, obviously, but I'd love for him to just kind of learn from AD. You know, his rebounding ability just to see how far he can uh, improve in that front.
1: Yeah. The rebounding is going to be important for him. He's not, you know, he's got to get in and he's older, right? He was a, a senior in college. Um, so his, his body is a little bit more filled out than, than say like a, you know, Max Christie last year, who was coming in as a young player, but he gets in an NBA strength and conditioning program. I have to imagine he's going to put on muscle. He's going to get stronger and that's going to be important for him, but we'll see how he adjusts to the NBA game. And then a big, Question two is going to be the jumper, which has been a little bit concerning. You know, it's just it's hit or miss. He can be hot or cold with the jump shot. Can he eventually stretch that out to the three point line? I think that's going to be a big factor in his long term development in the NBA. It's can he become that guy that can stretch out to the three or at least get out to say a 20 footer and knock that down with consistency? Because if he can do that, there's a lot else to his game that I really like, and I think there's a lot of potential there. I'll tell you the thing I'm concerned about, though, is physically he reminds me a little bit of Jay Huff, and I like Jay Huff. I was a proponent of Jay Huff's. I didn't think he showed out that well at Summer League with Houston, uh, but he did wind up getting a deal. I'm trying to remember who he signed with. It was just the other day. He signed a a two-way deal with somebody, but Jay Huff never really got a shot, never really cracked the Lakers' rotation, and... So we didn't get to see much. Even though he was one of the best defensive players in the G League, he just never got a real look from the Lakers. And that was for me, that was frustrating. I thought, this is a guy who should really get a chance. I'm hopeful that Colin doesn't fall into that category where he does well in the G League, he does well with the South Bay Lakers, but can never get a legit shot with the Lakers a la Jay Huff. I'm hoping that we don't see him go down that path because I think there's enough there that's intriguing that you want to give him the opportunity and find out, can he be a rotation big?
3: Definitely, yeah, that's how I feel too.
1: Um, let's see, I'm looking right now, Jay Huff. Oh, it's the Nuggets. Yeah, he wound up with the Denver Nuggets. That was that was who signed him. So he's there on a, on a two-way contract with Denver. Denver loves picking up former Lakers bigs, apparently. DeAndre Jordan and Thomas Bryant, Jay Huff now as well. All right. Uh, did you have anything else uh, on your mind? Uh,
3: I know you've said this a couple times, but uh, is are you uh, you privy to having Bismack on the uh, for the fourteenth roster spot, or is it more Christian Wood now? What do you what are your viewpoints on that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that I you know in terms of skill set, in terms of what I'm looking for, Bismack Bianbo feels like the safer fit, um, especially because I think he'd be a guy where, as I was saying earlier in the show. If you know every third game or whatever, the the opportunity wasn't there for him to get in, he'd be okay with it. It's not going to be a problem. I don't know if that's going to be true of Christian Wood. I do think the ceiling is higher with Christian Wood. The upside is higher. You put him and Anthony Davis together offensively, and I think you could really have something there. It could be really intriguing with those two guys playing side-by-side defensively. There's certainly some question marks, but... Maybe he looks at what's happened to him this summer with the offers drying up as a challenge, and he falls in line, and everything works out great. So I think if push comes to shove, if I had the opportunity to sign either guy, i probably roll the dice a little bit with my last roster spot, and i go Christian Wood, knowing that it's a veteran minimum, even if it all falls to pieces. A veteran minimum, worst case, you wave him, and you move on to somebody else. I would feel most confident in knowing what I was getting, out of Bismack Biombo, and I think he's probably, in terms of what he can do, blocking shots, rebounding, probably the best fit. But I do think if if push comes to shove, I would take Christian Wood. In addition to that, I think he provides more skill set diversification, which is what Rob Palenka has been talking about, um, compared to Jackson Hayes. Not that Jackson Hayes and Bismack Biombo are the same player, because they're not, but Christian Wood's offensive game is very different than what you get out of Jackson Hayes. And so I think you get a little bit more positional flexibility if you go with Christian Wood. So I'm going to lean him for all of those reasons, but, um, but Bismack would be a very nice consolation prize, I think, if, uh, if Christian Wood ultimately goes
0: elsewhere. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember where I read it, but I, I know that uh, some people on the Lakers, I don't know whether it be uh, players or. Uh, front office staff they were saying that they not had a problem with Christian Wood but just just the way he is that it can cause a little bit of problems so I don't know if that I don't know if Christian Wood would be the best as like a as like a guy that comes in and doesn't cause much problems you know especially being the fact that he won't be a starting five he'll be coming off a bunch more than that yeah
1: yeah that was that um, goes along with stuff that I was hearing at summer league um, kind of the buzz was that there were some Lakers players who weren't on board with Christian Wood signing with the Lakers. Um, a- again, though, you never know, right? You never know. Sometimes it takes a guy's back being against the wall, and you can get the best out of. Him. I mean, again, look at what happened with Dwight, right? Who was just about out of the league. What happened with Carmelo Anthony, who was, who was, you know, it was, a, it was a rough season, but he did a great job as a Laker. I do wonder if Christian Wood, and I talked about this on yesterday's podcast if he really needs the Lakers, right? If he needs to be in that spotlight and be able to, with that light shining on him, show everybody these concerns about me being a role player, these concerns about can I hold up defensively, can I be a team-first guy, if he is able to do those things with the Lakers, what that would mean for his career, it would be monumental for him and, and where he could go from here. So I think he needs this opportunity with the Lakers, but, of course, I understand why if there's more money out there from Chicago or something like that, that's probably what he's going to do.
3: Yeah, definitely. I can see that. Well, thank you, Trevor, for everything you guys do. I
1: really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. And, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Bye. All right. See ya. So I've got somebody in the chat. Uh, Key 34 is asking the question. I'm going to get back to the Collins in just a moment here. Is uh, asking the question. Uh, did Hodge do enough to supplant Swider as a shooter? Possibly shooting over 40% from three on that amount of shots was impressive. He may have. He may have. I will say you can never really have enough shooting. And with three two way spots now, right now, the Lakers have Castleton, Swider, and Hodge on their two way spots. You don't necessarily have to uh, choose there. You could keep them all if you wanted. So. Yeah, I'm not necessarily concerned about what the Lakers do with, with those guys. I think that Swider Swider is an elite NBA shooter. I think that's what he's shown us. He's an elite NBA shooter. And yes, we would like to see him do some other things, right? I would like it if his, if his feet were a bit quicker so he could defend threes or if he was a little bit physically stronger so he could defend fours and and rebound the ball. He's kind of stuck in, right in between three and four. Um, defensively. Trying to figure out what he's going to do is difficult there. But he's so good. He's so, so good as a shooter. So I think that while Hodge at the two may ultimately be somebody who can come in and do something for the Lakers, he's got a long way to go. He was good in Summer League. Let's see what he can do in preseason. See what he does in training camp. Can he continue to play well there? I like Hodge. He's interesting, but I don't think you necessarily cut ties with with Swider at this point. I know some people are ready to move on. When last summer, everybody was raving about Cole Swider. Everybody was raving about his shooting ability and how good this guy can be. Can he be part of the rotation? He has. He, it's not like he got worse from last season to this season. You can say, well, his, he didn't take a big enough leap as a, as a defender, as a rebounder for these things. But he is an NBA-caliber shooter, Right now, right now, if you put him on the floor right now in an NBA game, teams have to stay with him. If they don't, he will kill them from behind the three point line. That's how good he is there. The question for him has always been, can he do enough in the other areas, specifically defense rebounding in order to keep himself on the floor? And so again, that still is the question mark, but he is elite at one thing at an NBA level. And that is sometimes the hardest thing to do to get that good at one particular skill, especially when that skill is shooting and it's something that the Lakers could certainly use. So what's the worst case scenario here if you keep him? He's great again in the G League. He shot 43% from deep in the G League. He's great again in the G League for another season and if it doesn't pan out at that point, okay, then maybe you figured some things out and you try to move on. That's your worst case? That's not so bad for a guy who you know can be an elite shooter. I'm exhausting all options with Cole Swider before I cut ties. With a guy like that and his ability to shoot all right let's get back over here we do have a caller ac 003 calling in again if you want to call in just hit the hit the button on the amp app by the way what i love about amp is there's a lot of other stuff on here too if you want to listen to music you want to discover new music there's a lot of that on here as well i start the shows on amp with a song, typically, um, because their music library is absolutely, absolutely incredible. Uh, AC003, welcome in. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm uh, doing well. Doing well. Uh, what's on your mind this afternoon? Um, is more topics about Christian Wood. I think he'll be a stale.
4: I just hope that him doing the team would be kind of great because you got two of the best defenders, right, that could kind of help him on the fifth event and teach him a lot. So, maybe negate some of that defensive roles that he has. Um, I think that would be this is his best situation, even for on his end, because you got to look at who, well, the team in the league right now is going to have the attention. And you got LeBron possibly playing his last season in a um, possibly going for another championship for with the team that he has. Uh, you're going to get as much attention as you need to to maybe get that contract going back, um, coming for next season. So, uh, I feel like that would be his best thought. And then I have a possible reward for the uh, midseason
1: tournament oh okay all right so uh, on on christian wood i agree with everything you're saying there um i I think that there is a lot of opportunity with the lakers to to excel in that spotlight and i'd be really interested to see what he could do with with la when you mentioned the top two defenders uh ad and are we talking vanderbilt or using lebron's intelligence on that end of the four who who are your your two there
4: yeah lebron and intelligence because he sees right. things he can call out things to kind of help him on the weak points that maybe he just can't catch or understand
1: that makes that makes a lot of sense yes that that could be something that could take his game to another level we'll see if that's something that he wants to that he wants to listen to right if that's if that's something that, that he puts a lot of value on like, where does his career go from here, or is it just, "Hey, I need to get the most money I can this season because I don't want to be seen as a better minimum guy"? Which I, I, I think you can make an argument for why he should have that mentality, but nonetheless, if he has an opportunity to join up with the Lakers and he can prove doubters wrong, it could be very profitable for him uh, in the long run. Exactly. But uh, I really
4: think that would be yeah. great for him because like, it's one of those things that kind of like we already have so many players that come through who. Um, rejuvenated a career through the Lakers and, and been able to get higher contracts. So, like, uh, he can take an L for one season, um, learn a lot from the great guys, you know, turn around and get, you know, I won't say a mass contract, but a proven size of the contract coming next year if he proves everybody different. But that's the exactly, point. you know, that, that'll be on his decision. And you can have this from the title, like, That'd be the best way to come out, get a ring, and then
1: come out with a bigger payday. It's a win-win. Oh, if he if he became even a fifteen to twenty minute a night guy for a Lakers team that made a deep playoff push, maybe win a championship. If he was a key piece of that, he would make a ton. He would make a ton of money next season if he was able to just feast on corner threes that are opened up for LeBron and AD. Show that he can defend. Show that he can rebound. Do the dirty work. Man, he would be a mid-level exception player next season minimum if not more given his size his wingspan all of that he could make himself a lot of money if he just takes a little step back this summer and takes a veteran minimum with the Lakers i think that opportunity is there but he'd have to be willing to bet on himself a little bit and sometimes that can be a scary thing to do so uh we'll see what he does but but hit me with your uh, your mid-season uh, award thing that you that you got you the mid-season tournament what is it that what's your idea for that
4: Okay, I have to think about this a lot. I feel like right now, currently, the money's just not enough for people mm-hmm. to want to really play or take it seriously. So, what if you either... I would say this is kind of on the, the higher side is you kind of guarantee a playoff spot so that way, say, if the team suffers injuries, uh, you still have a chance to kind of, like, you know, that chance of a run. You know, especially if you make a ready bag and be like, one of your major players, like, let's say Dallas, for example. Uh, they was, like, almost there. But then fell out, but they won like the missing tournament, they still have a chance for like maybe a chance to be in a playing or guaranteed playing spot. I feel like it would be great. Um, but my number one thing, like either let's say you're uh take like home court advantage from a team. So like you guaranteed home court advantage for a series. Not the whole entire playoffs, but just one. So say the number one C you going against them A but you pick that series so you can flip it. So I feel like it's kind of bad for the number one seed, but at the same time that would give it finish for every team to play so you really secure what you already have or possibly flip the script. But that might be a little bit much. So even just like maybe getting an extra home game so like flip the series like how they used to. I um, mean like a T for three for two kind of sh- scenario. Like there's there couple be other ways to kind of really make it worth it.
1: Okay, so so let me make sure I'm understanding this. So you're saying that you would take you would you would essentially get a power, right? You're this almost sounds a little bit like like the CBS show Big Brother, right? where you get a, a certain power and you can use it a, a, at some point. So let's say you're the eighth seed going in the playoffs from the midseason tournament. You then have in the postseason the ability to whatever series you choose to claim home court advantage. So you're the eighth seed. Let's say you're going to the matchup with the one seed, and you flip one of those games that typically would be a home game for the one seed. You flip it to a home game for your seat for your team, and that then gets you home court advantage in the series. That's that's the concept there is that you would you would get that that power. What about for a? I guess the question becomes: What about for a team that doesn't make the playoffs? Does that power just expire? Does it become something else for a non-playoff? Because that that is kind of a lot, right? To to be able to claim home court advantage, that's a big deal.
4: Exactly. Well, that's when you can flip it So, say, well, if you don't get to, to use that power, maybe there could be an alternative. So, like, since so they don't make mm-hmm. the playoffs, you have another power. So, I don't know if you want to put that into the draft or maybe, like, next season. Or, like, there could be other mm-hmm. ways you can put that or you just have a bonus. So, that team that played, whoever, all the players at that time, did we get traded during, like, the trade deadline? And they could just get a little bit of bonus money. Like, so, mm-hmm. you can use that power, but at the same time you still utilize maybe some extra cash for the like second default, since you didn't get to use the power. So, I like I was thinking as a player, like, what would I want? Right. To, to kind of like make me actually want to work for this. So, if I win this now, what could it give me in the future that I would really want? And nothing matters more than having a vanish in the playoffs, and like, mm-hmm. nothing else really matter to me.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. I think that's something that players would care about. And that's the key, right? It's just finding something players are going to care about. Now, I think, and Keith Smith has brought this up quite a bit on the front office show, what the NBA is banking on, right? The winners get half a million dollars, right? Each, each player is going to get half a million dollars, which to most of us, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of money. I would be very motivated. But for an NBA player, if you're LeBron James and you're a billionaire, half a million dollars isn't quite as big of a deal. So... What the NBA is banking on is that a player like LeBron, like AD, that are already multi-multi-multi-millionaires, uh, if not billionaires, uh, they're going to look at the guys on the end of their roster. They're going to look at Max Christie. They're going to look at now the guys they just drafted, Jalen hood Hunchefino. They're going to look at Max Lewis. Maybe look at their two-way guys. Cole Swider, Des Moines Hodge, right? Colin Castleton. They're going to look at these guys. And they're going to say, man but think about how much a half a million dollars means to these guys let's go out there and let's compete for them let's let's get them this money because this is going to matter so much i think that's what the nba is banking on but i think that if we see this whole midseason tournament thing play out and they're all going to count for regular season games right they're going to count for regular season games so i think teams will approach them as such i don't think i don't think they're going to just throw away the tournament games because they can't. They count as regular season games. But if we get to the championship game, which will be an out-of-season game, that is the only additional game under the NBA's current plan. If you get to the championship game and it doesn't seem like the players care all that much about winning the midseason tournament, and I would be surprised if this is the case. I think players will get on the floor and they will care. But if it doesn't seem like the teams are really competing that hard, you've got teams holding guys out, stuff like that, then I'll think they'll, they'll need to change something because clearly that incentive of half a million dollars was not enough to get the players to get out there and compete at the highest level. So I agree with you, but I don't think we're going to see a change unless the championship game is catastrophic this year and the, and the players look lethargic and like they don't want to be out there.
4: Exactly. And like, don't get me wrong that. A great idea what they have, but you gotta think since the uh, money that they're making keeps continuing to rise season by season, half a million mm-hmm. dollars is really not much. Like the middle of session or even like some of the lower ends, like these people making three, four million dollars. That's maybe yeah. two, three months of a paycheck that you're you know getting as a bonus. So and you got people like LeBron, like I like LeBron teach me how to make more money and become a billionaire like him than yeah. half a million dollar tournament bonus. So like, there's, there's other ways, but like, I get it. Like, I think this first season may be, this first um, midseason tournament will be okay. Uh, and then once they increase the setup, I think that's when people really start going for it. To me, it's kind of like, I hate saying it, like the All Star game. Like, it's at the end of the day, they mm-hmm. give money for that too. And there's no setup there just like, for having fun. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope that does. it doesn't go the way of the All-Star. The All-Star game was good the first couple of years. They put in the Elam ending. That was a lot of fun. But this last All-Star game, what a snooze that was. I hope this doesn't become that. What do you What do you think about the mid-season tournament in general? Is this a good idea, or do you think the NBA is going to wind up regretting doing this?
4: I feel like how they orchestrated the mid-season tournament is good because it's only one action game. But outside of that, um, needed more incentives, and and then it'll be a really great thing. But it's only one action game outside of the season. So oh. It's a really great thing. But outside of that, they need to figure something else out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. This has been kind of Adam Silver's pet project for a while now. This has been something that he's wanted. He sees the, the success that tournaments can have in soccer and he wants to replicate that in the NBA, which sometimes can work. Sometimes you take an idea from somewhere else. You plug it in and, and off you go. I mean, the addition of the three-point line was was something that, that was similar thing. You take little bits and pieces from other leagues and stuff and you find things that work for you. But I don't know if this is going to work or not, and I'm very, very glad that the games are counting as regular season games too, because then even, even for the fans that maybe won't care about the mid season tournament or aren't excited about it, there's still reason to watch all the games because they're still regular season games and they count for something with the exception of that championship game. And they're going to do it in Vegas. They're going to do a championship game in Vegas, so maybe they can make a big deal out of it and everything. But um we'll see. I, I'm going to try to stay optimistic about it, but I don't know if this is really going to take hold, at, the, at least not the same way the play-in tournament did because that, that has worked out great. That's been a fantastic change for the NBA. I don't know about this.
4: Is that the, the play has a huge significant uh, bonus if you have a chance to be in the playoffs? Yep. yep. So, like I said, all in all, it's all about the rewards that they get. And if they can make it worth it, and people will really start playing for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be worth it. It's got to be worth more than a day of rest would mean for the, for these players, because that's really what they're weighing is would I rather just get a day off and rest and not care about this tournament? We'll see how this ultimately plays out. This will be the first year of it. I don't think it'll be the last, but it's going to be interesting to see how the fans react, particularly to that championship game, and we'll see where they go from there. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to chat about before I let you go?
4: Uh, no, I if not know. I think I think I took enough of your time today, but next time I'll get on again.
1: All right. That sounds good. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one. All right good call there uh, key 34 asking in the chat said so do you think lebron and ad will start the season this year or will lebron specifically slow play a return so that's a good question there were uh, some rumblings that lebron may not start the season right when lebron first started throwing out there the idea that he was you know maybe going to retire right that was after the game 4 loss to the denver nuggets in the western conference finals he threw into question whether or not he'd be he'd be back This next season. Since then, you know, the the sentiment has always been that LeBron would play this coming season, that he was just, you know, blowing off steam, that he was upset in that moment. And of course he was. Denver fans will say he was just trying to take some publicity away, some press away from Denver for winning the series. I don't know if I could go that far, but um, I do think that LeBron and AD will start the season with the Lakers. You know, there was some idea that maybe, maybe they would. Sit out at least LeBron might sit out for the first month or two of the season and then kind of ramp up. I mean, he's going to be 39 in December. This is his 21st NBA season. That maybe instead of trying to go through the long grind of the season, he would, you know, come in at the halfway mark or something like that. I don't see LeBron doing that though. I don't think he's it, like it makes some sense. You could talk me into why this would make sense because then he's playing less of a season, he can be fresher for the playoffs. And that's what really matters, but he's already back to training. He's already preparing for the season. His body is used to it. He's done this now. For, this is 21 times that he's gotten his body prepared for an NBA season. And I think what we will see, though, while I think he is going to start the season, I think AD will, will start the season as well, I think what he is going to do is we're going to see more rest opportunities. And you look at... We talk about this in football a lot. We talk about this in football. What are the moves that a team make Really tell you. For example, um, we've been hearing the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, my wife is a is a Cowboys fan. Um, we've been hearing all this stuff about the Cowboys. Oh, establish the run. We need to establish the run. And you know, we somehow and this baffles people in the the fantasy community. about why this would even be a thing? We scored too many points last season, according to Mike McCarthy. Crazy, right? We scored too many points. His rationale being they scored too quickly. And what that meant was by the end of the game, their defense was on the field so much because their offense was scoring so fast that their defense was exhausted by the end of games. And so the rationale is, hey, if we run the ball more, if we stop passing so damn much, then what we're going to do is we're going to give more rest time to our defense. They're not going to be on the field more. That's going to help them close out games. That's going to ultimately help us win games even if we score a little bit less. I don't think that's very fun, but if that's the plan, so the idea is they're going to run the ball more, but look at the moves that they've made. What have they done? Look at their running back group. It's Tony Pollard and not much else. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott comes back. They've got a couple of guys that maybe they can throw in there, but it's not like they went and loaded up on a bunch of veteran known commodity running backs to throw in there. It's not like they went and loaded up on a bunch of guys So they know, hey, we're going to run the ball down your throat. No. You look at what they did. They went and got Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver, to join CeeDee Lamb. Look, they're saying we're going to run the ball more. Their moves say they're going to throw the ball more or at least throw it as much as they did last season, that they're probably not really going to increase the run game as much. I don't think it's quite as transparent in the NBA the way you can follow moves the way you can in the NFL but you look at the Lakers roster and you look at what they did Cam Reddish is 6'8, Torian Prince is 6'7, Rui Hachimura is 6'8, Jared Vanderbilt maybe he's 6'10 now, who knows they've got a lot of wings, in fact if you compare side by side last season's team and you just map out the positions compared to this season's team, there are so many more wings and so what does that tell us? when the Lakers decide we're not going to bring back a two-guard in Lonnie Walker, even though he's going for a veteran minimum. We're not going to bring back a two-guard in Malik Beasley, even though he's going for a veteran minimum. Instead, we're going to go get these wing players, and we're going to get these guys who can play the same position as LeBron. Part of it is it tells you they believe in Max Christie as a two-guard, but it also tells you that the Lakers, their roster is set up this season to allow LeBron to rest. They stockpiled a lot of guys that play LeBron's position and can fill in on the wings. And I think it's not just a talent thing. I think there is method of the madness there. It's not just, hey, this guy's a good w- a good player and he happens to be a wing. No, I think they specifically went after wings. And it made my heart happy because I've been saying they need more wings for years. But I think the Lakers foreshadow it, are foreshadowing LeBron and the amount of rest that he's going to get during the season this year, and I think it's going to be a significant amount because they understand that they need the LeBron who was pushing down on the turbo button last season in January and in February, they need that guy in April, May, and June, and the way you do that is you make it so he doesn't have to hit the turbo button during the regular season. You do that by having a lot of other players who can fill in for him. Nobody's going to replace him. Nobody's going to do the things that he can do, but if you can get guys who can play competently who can help you win games well and I think that's what the Lakers done they found guys who can do that that can carry you for those random Wednesday in in November or December when LeBron's not playing they've got guys that they can uh, fill in now for him so again looking at the Lakers roster moves I think they're foreshadowing that LeBron I think he's going to get plenty of rest this season even though I do believe he will start the season I think we're going to see him make a conscious effort to be healthy for the postseason, and that means more nights off during the regular season. All right. Uh, Did have uh, some other questions going here. Oh, Key34 said that's exactly what the Suns are doing. Yep, 100%. 100%. Uh, Lakers know you can't get bigger by one player, but you can by committee. Yes. You look at the overall size. I would have to go through and do the math, but I would assume that the size difference from this year's roster to last year's roster in terms of average height, is significant. You look at how many guards they had to start the season last year. Russell Westbrook, six 6'3". Patrick Beverly at 6'1", on a good day. Dennis Schroeder at 6'1". Uh, Lonnie Walker was playing the three for a little while, and he's 6'4". Right? Uh, Malik Beasley, 6'4". And now they've replaced him with guys who are 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". They've added size in the aggregate. Now it doesn't mean that they went and got the one dude who's seven. They didn't go get Yusuf Nurkic, who's like seven foot two eighty or whatever he is two eighty five. They didn't get that guy. That guy was not. The, uh, if Brook Lopez could have come for the the mid level exception as a seven footer, yeah, they could have got him, and you would have said, "Man, that's that's a lot of size." They weren't able to go get that, and we'll see who they ultimately get on the center market. Is it Christian Wood, who's like six eight, six nine? He's not huge, but. Okay, another bigger guy. So, Bismack Biombo is actually only 6'8, um, but has super long arms. And so, he can play the center position. If they do that, that's only going to increase the average height of the team. But they realize we're not going to get that giant of a man to play the center position. So, instead, let's, in the aggregate, increase the size of the team. Let's get bigger at power forward. Let's get bigger at small forward, bigger at shooting guard, help bigger at point guard. Jalen Hood, Shafino, Scafino, sorry. Uh, I had somebody reach out to me actually on Twitter and explain in Italian, like how to how to pronounce his name. And it's know It's it's a K, like a like skateboard, um, which was very, very helpful when they, they reached out and gave me that. But he's 6'6. Like just watching him up close in Summer League, you see him on the floor, and yeah, we we complain about the three-point shooting. And man, I wish that shot was falling. Actually, he hit 36% from three um in Summer League, but we say, Man, I wish some of these guys could have. Hit some more shots. JHS could have been a bit better orchestrating and things like that. We have to remember, he just turned 20. But he's 6'6". Like you see him out there on the floor, and it's obvious how much bigger he is than the guys he's playing up against. Austin Reeves is 6'5". D'Lo is 6'4", and he's got a super long wingspan which a lot of people forget about D'Angelo Russell. He's 6'4", but he's got a long wingspan. And so that actually allows him to play a little bit bigger, even though he's not the quickest guy. Gabe Vincent is actually taller than I thought when I was standing next to him in person. He was tall. Like, I was expecting Gabe Vincent to be like 6'1", and I was thinking, you know, was 6'1", and he was maybe getting a little bit of extra credit there. No, he is, he is taller than than I expected him to be. Um, not that he's a big guy per se. Not that he's like a six six guard, but he's the smallest guy. He's like 6'3", and I mean, he's probably a legit 6'2", 6'3". Like, he was definitely taller than I thought he was going to be when I was standing next to him. So they have, across the board, a bigger team, certainly, than they had last season. And I think that's something that's going to help them with their rebounding, it's going to help them with their defensive versatility, it makes it easier to switch when you've got a bigger lineup like that. So, yeah. Um, and the chat saying Gabe Vincent is, is bigger than the Dennis Schroeder. He absolutely is. He absolutely is. Um let's see Mama mentality said he's 65 trev max is 65 67 and was a notch taller than scafino uh if i guess it depends on how much you're counting scafino's hair <laughs> because that was fairly tall there wasn't a noticeable size difference where, from where i was standing between between max and scafino like I do think Max is a little taller, but it's not by a lot. And I think Max might actually be a little bit taller than what he was listed. Like, he, he's he's big. Max is, and man, Max, beyond being big, he's strong. He's really strong. Like, that guy looks, ooh. Physically, guys are kind of bouncing off of him out there on the floor. You, like, when he's bumping into guys, you can see guys are feeling it. Um, so I'm excited for him and the overall size that he brings. As far as Scafino goes, the, the word on Scafino is he's, Six, four and a half barefoot, like six, six inch shoes. So, you know, if we want to him and haul over like an inch here or there. Okay. He's big for his position. He's big for his position. No question. No question. And that's something that I think the Lakers clearly set out to do was get more positional size this summer. And they've done that as well as adding guys who could play LeBron's position in order to allow him, I think, to rest more. All right. Let's call it a day there. We come on here for about an hour and talk Lakers basketball Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon over on the Amp app. You can download it from the App Store over on iOS on Apple, download it, you can join the show, make sure you follow the show at Trevor Lane and uh you can set a reminder, you can turn on notifications that way as soon as we go live, you can jump in, you can join in the conversation. And we can talk some Lakers basketball together. But want to thank everybody who called in to today's show. It was a lot of fun. Always a good time. Lakers Nation, make sure you guys are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Of course, the podcast over on Apple Podcasts as well. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for joining me. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?